the average adult has plenty of access to a variety of natural spaces. There are national parks, state parks, and all kinds of beaches that we are completely free to visit. But for a child, access to nature is a little different. A child can't drive themselves to a local state park for a hike or catch a lift to the beach. For a child, being out in nature generally means one thing. A yard. And try as we might to keep kids safe at home, sometimes that just isn't possible. Sometimes, while little adventurers are learning about the nearby flowers and the small creatures that scurry away, someone shows up to take them. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the 1874 kidnapping of Charlie and Walter Ross, a four-year-old and five-year-old that went missing from their front yard. Walter was found. Charlie was not. This would actually go on to be the first publicized ransom case involving a child, much to the horror of citizens in Pennsylvania. Welcome to part one. The front yard is a place where children are often allowed to play, and there are some inherent dangers that come with this. Today, more parents opt for their children to play in the backyard if they have one, finding it to be a safer option. Front yards can give small children access to dangerous situations, especially if there's a road nearby. Of course, back in 1874 Pennsylvania, we weren't all that worried about cars, specifically because they hadn't even been invented yet. Back then, it was considered to be a safer time, so the Ross family thought little of letting their kids play out front. Everyone did it. Things were slower then, and it was a pretty ritzy area, too. And maybe that is why it was chosen. See, while Charlie and Walter were playing their games, chasing insects and learning about the small bit of nature that they had access to, someone else had an idea. And they decided to turn that idea into action. While the two boys were playing, something rolled up. Not a car, but a horse-drawn carriage. Inside the carriage were two men. These men were mysterious, but they seemed friendly enough to the two barely school-aged children. In fact, these nice men made fast friends with Charlie and Walter when they offered the two children candy and fireworks. Of course, there was only one catch. In order to get these things, the boys would need to take a ride in the carriage. By now, most parents are pretty intense about telling small children to avoid strangers, but this really was a different time. Charlie and Walter were two young children, and they were just beginning to explore their own interests. You know, like candy and fireworks. This no doubt seemed like a pretty amazing deal. So, the boys were happy to go right along with the plan, assuming that they would be back with their goodies before their parents ever knew what happened. Of course, their parents did find out what happened a short while later, but 
something more notable happened before anyone noticed that they were gone. The boys and their kidnappers made a stop. I've always considered kidnapping to be a fairly quick business, personally. I figure if you want to get away with abducting someone, it's generally best to put as much distance between where you pick them up and where you are as possible. So, you can imagine my surprise when I learned that they stopped at a store. See, the kidnappers made some pretty big promises to their unknowing victims, and they didn't have everything that they needed. This is why they stopped by a store and tasked five-year-old Walter with the very important job of purchasing the fireworks. Walter was given a quarter and sent inside to make the transaction. Obviously, Walter did not have the worldly knowledge to know just how weird of a request this was, so he went to do exactly that. After he went inside and came back out, something changed. I'm not sure if anyone sold him fireworks, though I'm assuming not. Regardless, when young Walter went to return to the carriage after his attempt, something was wrong. The carriage and his brother were nowhere in sight. Walter was left behind and Charlie was gone. This part of the story really stuck with me for a few reasons. Obviously, it is really interesting that they dropped off Walter, and I'm curious about why this happened. Did they decide that one kidnapped child was enough? Did they think that they would receive a lesser sentence if they returned one of the children unharmed? Was this some kind of way to win favor with the parents, like a show of good faith? Or is there the chance that Walter was just really annoying and they didn't want to deal with it? I have no idea, but I kind of assumed that there was some kind of strategy behind the decision. Stopping to drop him off would have cost them time. And it also came with a huge risk. The chance that more witnesses might see and be able to identify the carriage. I don't know what kind of variety there was in the carriage market in Philadelphia, but I have to assume that there were only so many options. By letting Walter go in a public place, they opened themselves up to a much bigger chance of getting caught. I also think that it must have been fairly haunting for Walter to grow up and realize what fate he managed to avoid. I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up with that knowledge and watch your family just fall apart. It must have been really difficult growing up alone in that house. Of course, the house was kind of the problem here. We've covered a couple of ransom cases, including the very first episode of Among the Dirt and Trees on Ursula Hermann. And I'll be honest in saying that this case reminds me quite a bit of that one. Obviously, kidnappers who want a ransom don't go around picking up children in lower-income neighborhoods, and it's pretty easy to explain why. If you're going to demand a ransom, you want to make the request to someone who actually has enough money to warrant the risks. 
No one wants to risk prison time to only receive a few bucks out of it. Charlie, with his nice home and his nice neighborhood, was the perfect kidnapping victim. Just looking at him, you knew that he came from money. But money isn't all that simple, right? Ransom demands are a lot more interesting when you consider just how ridiculous of a request they are. People will literally demand huge amounts of money from wealthy people and act like that money is just sitting in a bank account. In reality, most of the time it isn't. Wealthy people know that the best thing to do with money is to use it to make more money, but there's something else to consider when making these demands. Appearances can also be deceiving. Money is a complicated thing, and a person's wealth generally fluctuates throughout their lifetime. In this case, the Ross family had the nice house and all of their other nice things, but they were also absolutely buried in debt. So when they received a ransom note demanding $20,000, which was a lot more at the time, they were at a loss. There was no way that they could afford it. The letter made the usual demands, including a request to not contact police. They were clear that as long as they received the money, Charlie could go home, but that the police could never know. Of course, without the money, the family had no choice. The police being able to track down Charlie was their only hope, so they alerted cops and... This is where Charlie's story exploded. But if you want to know about what happened next, you will have to hop on over to part two of the episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>